0: Well, Happy Thanksgiving. I got a lot to be thankful for in my life, not the least of which is you. Man, whether you're here for the first time or the 400th time, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be here celebrating how much we have have to be thankful for together with you. Have you ever heard of Pastor Dad jokes? Pastor Dad jokes, so what, what that is officially it's like when you tell a dad joke but you don't tell it to one of your kids you tell it in the capacity of a pastor to somebody and there's one that I've told probably I don't know over a hundred times and I'm probably going to tell it over a hundred times more and uh, it goes like this the first time that I do pre-marriage counseling with a young couple or or an older couple um, after we shake hands and hug it out I will say something like this I will say man I just got off the phone with a publisher and I signed a book deal Okay? And so this is what they are thinking when I say that. They are thinking to themselves, are you kidding me? We're here for pre-marriage counseling, and now you're talking about yourself and your stupid book deal. But they're nice, so they don't say that. They say, a book deal? Cool! You know, neato! Right? That's what they say. And then I say, "Uh, would you like to know the title of my book? And they don't want to know, but they're too nice to tell me that, so they say, there's nothing we would want more than to know the title of your book. And I want you to imagine that the young couple that I'm doing pre-marriage counseling with, their names are Jack and Jill, okay? So I tell them that the name of the book is the story of Jack and Jill. And I'm here today to start my research. <laughs> yeah, and that's about the response I get every time. <laughs> and what's amazing is I'm gonna keep doing it, and here's why. The next 45 minutes of my life are always breathtaking I'll start out by saying Jill I want you to tell me your story before you met Jack Jack tell me your story before you met Jill and then together tell me your story since you've met and it's just this profound moment I can't tell you the amount of times that somebody has said to me oh man my story is really boring and a half an hour later we're laughing or we're crying and I'm on the edge of my seat I'm asking all these, I'm super nosy by the way, asking like, hey, explain that, give me an example of that. But I I, I guess here's what I want you to know today. There's something profound, there's something powerful about life stories. Actually, I wanna go a step further than that. There's something profound, there's something really powerful about your life story. God wants to tell a great story with your life, not the person behind you, not the person, well, well yes, the person behind you, and yes, the person beside you, but also you too. If you look through the Bible, well, you see that the, the, the way that God moves us into this great life story that he wants to tell is, by, is when we listen to his voice and when we follow his lead. I tell you that because we've been looking at this Old Testament life story about a guy named Samuel, and a couple of weeks ago we saw that There was this moment when Samuel was just a young guy and God actually spoke to Samuel in an audible voice and my first thought was when I read the part of God speaking to Samuel in an audible voice, I thought, man, that must be nice. You know, if I was seeking direction, if I was looking to make a decision, if I was facing a dilemma, it'd be really cool if God would just you know, give me a shout. It's really important that I tell you today, though, that we need to know this on this Thanksgiving of 2019 that God is still speaking and one of the primary reasons that God is still speaking today in 2019 is because he wants you to tell a great story with your life. That he wants you to listen to his voice and follow his lead so you can step into a great life story. Purpose. Fulfillment. Abundance. In Matthew chapter 11 Jesus referred to the great life story that he wants you to live as rest for your souls. Living freely and lightly, the unforced rhythm of grace. And so it's really important that I tell you that even though God has never spoken audibly to me and maybe he's never spoken audibly to you, that here in 2019, 3,100 years after the time of Samuel, God is still speaking. And he wants you to listen to his voice and follow his lead. There's greatness to your story. There's greatness to your future. So I've been talking about how God is still speaking. And last week I said that God's speaking through his Bible. He's speaking through creation, and he's speaking through conscience. Today I wanna to talk about two more ways that God speaks, and then I'm gonna kinda of wrap up this series within a series next week. But today I wanna to talk to you about the fact that God speaks through prayer, and he speaks through providence. God speaks to you through prayer, and he speaks to you through providence. It might seem odd to you because maybe the way that you have come to understand prayer is prayer is kind of like a one-way line of communication, like you kind of speak to God, maybe even in a rote fashion, in a memorized fashion, in a catchphrase fashion, you know, like when you were growing up and before you ate, maybe your parents taught you to say, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God, or whatever that was, right? Have you ever heard the Johnny Appleseed song? Okay, someone first service said, sing it, and I'm not going to, okay, so... Johnny Appleseed song, I remember one time we were having lunch with a family and they were all great singers. And they busted out the Johnny Appleseed song. And they, they sang it in four four-part four part harmony. Just amazing, beautiful, and pretty much irrelevant. Like all I was focusing on was like, wow, these guys can really sing. Or maybe your parents taught you right before you went to bed to pray this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Okay, so that's chilling. You're like, that's a chilling prayer. (laughs) Your parents taught you like a really disturbing, chilling prayer, what is wrong with (laughs) them? No, I want to tell you that prayer isn't like a memorized catchphrase. Prayer starts with humility. I really want to tell you that prayer starts with humility. It's interesting when you talk about that phrase, God wants to tell a great story with your life. That for, for, for some of us, we have a problem with the first section of that phrase. And for some of us, we have a problem with the second section of that phrase. Okay, the first section says God wants to tell a great story. And for many of us, we look and go, no, no, no. I'm just fine. I'll tell my own story. I don't need help from anybody. I wanna tell you if that's you, I I, I get it, I understand it, but I really believe that if, if, if if the sum total of your dreams for your life is what you can pull off on your own, it's way too small. God has a way bigger plan for you than that. And then for others of us, we have a problem with the second part of that phrase. God wants to tell a great story with whose life? No, not my life. He could tell a story with anybody else's. Everyone else in this room could be destined for greatness, but surely not me. That could never be me, and I wanna suggest to you that no matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done, or the decisions you've made, God is still speaking, and he loves you, and he wants to call you into greatness today. I was reading through some information on Alcoholics Anonymous the other day. You say, Mike, are you in recovery? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Like we, we, live, we live in a broken world, man. We're, we're broken people living in a broken world. I, some, I think there's something really powerful about recovery. Step 11 in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous has this morning prayer. Let me read it to you. God, direct my thinking today so that i be divorced of self-pity, dishonesty, self-will, self-seeking, and fear. God, inspire my thinking, decisions, and intuitions. Help me to relax and take it easy. Free me from doubt and indecision. Guide me through this day and show me my next step. God, give me what I need to take care of any problems. I ask all these things that I may be of maximum service to you and others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Starts with humility. By the way, there's an evening prayer that goes along with it. If you want a kind of a prayer guide to start with, um, they're available if you just text pray to 604-670-3040. We have them for you. But it starts with humility, and then it's an invitation. It's an invitation, God, come into my day, come into my life. It's almost this, the, 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 the sense of saying this to God, God, today I know you're calling me to tell a great story, but I can't, and you can, so please do, and I will. That's the invitation. God, you're calling me to tell a great story today, but I can't, but you can, so please do, and I will. That's the invitation. Such a big part of prayer. It's interesting too because today is Baptism Sunday. What a great day to have a baptism on Thanksgiving. But baptism is that same invitation, you understand? Baptism is an act of prayer, that's what it is. Baptism is a response to Jesus saying, believe and be baptized. But really it's saying this, for today and tomorrow and for the rest of my life, I want to tell a great story. So God, I can't, but you can. So please do, and I will. That's what baptism is. So I'm warning you right up front that at the end of my sermon today, I'm going to challenge you. If you are a Christian here today, and you have never been baptized as a believer, whether you've signed up or not, I want to encourage you right now to take that step that step of humility, that step of invitation. God, I can't, but you can, so please do, and I will. And then it's a connection. So for me, I, I pretty much live my life conscious that I need God every minute, every step, every breath. But I wanna talk about something maybe a little more intentional, a little bit more um, set apart. It's described this way in Psalm uh, 46, says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The message paraphrase puts it this way. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. That's a good idea. A place of silence and a place of solitude. Maybe you have that at home, (laughs) maybe not. Maybe you have that at work, Maybe not. But I do think there's something really profound about making it a practice in your life to get outside and spend some time outside with God regularly in your life. Psalm 19 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. That's true, right? Man, when I get outside and I look around at everything, I think there's an artist behind this artistry. There's a master behind this masterpiece. There's a designer behind this design. getting away and saying, God, it's not one-way communication. I just want to hear from you. One of my favorite places on this planet is Cultus Lake. My best buddy Grant King and me, we went to Cultus Lake. We drove from Red Deer, Alberta to Cultus Lake right after he graduated from grade 12. Spent a week camping at Cultus Lake. If you're one of the park rangers we met along that trip, I'm so sorry. I'm so very, very sorry. Corinne and I went on one of our first dates to Cultus Lake. And we were walking along the shore, and there was this tree that extended out into the lake. And I said, man, let's go sit at the end of that tree. It's going to be so cool and romantic. She said, I'm not. It looks flimsy. I said, you're crazy. I'll prove it to you. So I went out to the end of the tree, and I started bouncing up and down to the tree to show her that it wasn't flimsy and how foolish she was being. And the tree broke, and I fell in the water. And so um, you can't say she didn't know what she was getting into when she married me, right? Um, <laughs> took our kids there lots when they were growing up but maybe the most profound day I've ever had a cultist lake was when I was 38 years old. And Southside Church had called me and said, hey, you want to come on staff and be the youth pastor? It's interesting because I, I, I had been attending Southside Church since day one. I had been serving at Southside Church since day one. But now they're inviting me to come on staff, and something inside of me told me that I should do it. But logic told me that I shouldn't do it. And at, that, at that time in my life, I was teaching history, I was coaching basketball, I was the vice principal of a small private secondary school. Professionally, I was doing well. Financially, I was doing well. And yet something inside of me said, you need to take this job, you need to become youth pastor of Southside church. So I shared, Karen and I were hosting a small group at that time and, and I shared with my small group, I'm, just, I'm in this dilemma, I feel on one hand I'm kind of supposed to but on the other hand it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, and we prayed about it and then on the way out one lady said to me, uh, you need to go away outside for a day. And so I went to Cultus Lake. Jade Bay, early May, beautiful day. I was by myself there like almost the whole day, didn't see a single person. I read my Bible, I walked around, I sat down, I was waiting for God to speak to me, you know, and he didn't. <laughs> I waited and, waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. I'm like, uh, kind of impatient to start with, and I'm like, God, any time now, and he, it didn't. So finally, I'm just like, well, you know what? At least it was a beautiful day. You know, it was sunny and and, and it was nice and the lake was beautiful. So I packed up my stuff. I put my chair in the the back of my car and I was on my way to get into the driver's side door and God spoke to my heart, impressed upon me and it was real simple. He said, "Uh, take the job as youth pastor. It's not your last step, but it's your next step. And so I did and I'm so glad every day that I did. Be still and know that I am God. Set aside some time. Thomas Merton said it this way, Not all men are called to be hermits, but all men need enough silence and solitude in their lives to enable the deep inner voice of their own true self to be heard, at least occasionally. When that inner voice is not heard, when man cannot attain to the spiritual peace that comes from being perfectly at one with his true self, his life is always miserable and exhausting. He can't go on happily for long unless he is in contact with the springs of spiritual life, which are hidden in the depths of his own soul. If man is constantly exiled from his own home, locked out of his own spiritual solitude, he ceases to be a true person. He no longer lives as a man. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think that's a little bit easier said than done. What I mean is I think that it's really tough for us to get in touch with our true self. To maybe even understand what the desires of my heart actually even are. Because we live in a culture that's real noisy and we live in a culture that I think uh, paints things as if they are the desires of our heart when they're nothing close to the desires of our heart. Like we we make little things big things and we make big things little things sometimes in our culture. I was 22 years old. When, when Corinne and I got married, Corinne was 21, we got married in Red Deer, we moved out to Abbotsford. And even though we had gone to Trinity, we didn't know anyone in Abbotsford. So we'd go to church every Sunday. It was a friendly church, but no one talked to us. Like they smiled and nodded, but no one ever talked to us. We found out later that they thought we were an unwed, unwed teenage couple, which is weird because we were wearing wedding rings and everything like that. And then a year later when Corinne got pregnant, they thought we were an unwed pregnant teenage couple. And uh, friendly church, Just no one talked to us. And it made me think, by the way, as an aside, um, we know something here at Southside that it's not enough just to be a friendly church. We all need friends at church. So I invite you, and if you've been going to Southside Church for a while, if this is your church, if this is your mission, and I would say that's true for you if this is visit number two or more, I would ask you every single Sunday to be here and every single Sunday, talk to one person that you haven't met before. Just talk to them. Well, how do I start the conversation? Here's one way not to start the conversation, are you new? Don't say that because maybe they've been coming for six months and then they'll feel like, oh, no one even noticed me. Say this, hey, how long have you been coming to Southside? Maybe invite them to serve on your serving team. Invite them to start coming to your small group. So anyways, we're in Abbotsford for about nine months, didn't really have any friends. And one day we're in this store and a young woman uh, who Corinne knew a little bit from uh, Trinity Western and her husband walked out to us in the store and we talked for about 10 minutes and the husband says, you guys are so amazing and awesome. We got to get together sometime. We're like, whoa, yeah, cool. And so we just kind of walked because sometimes people say that but they don't really mean it. You know what I mean? And he said, no, no, no we got to set a date. And I'm like, whoa, we're setting a date. Okay. So, so we set a date for like the next Sunday night, like 10 days out. And I was so excited. And so... Uh, we got, we, we, got our, we got our little one-bedroom apartment all cleaned up and Corinne uh, made supper. I don't remember supper, what supper was. It was delicious, I think. I do remember dessert, though, blueberry pie. Man, was it good. Ooh. <laughs> First time we had ever had people over to our house, to our little apartment. And so, so they knocked at the door and, 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 and when I opened the door, the guy was holding a briefcase. Well, that's kind of weird. Like, is this like another version of a wallet? or maybe he's with, with the FBI, but he you know, didn't have a chain to his wrist or anything, so I'm like, okay. So, so he came in, and, and they sat down, and they ate, they ate supper, and then uh, he cleared the dishes off, and he opened up his briefcase, and he says, I have an opportunity of a lifetime for you. <laughs> so he started talking about how he could make us really, really rich. What I felt like, is he kind of wanted us to make him really, really rich. But anyways, he, he kept talking and, and there's two things I remember about the next hour and a half of that meeting. Here's one of them. He kept saying this phrase, et stuff like that. And I really remember it because he probably said it a hundred times, etc., stuff like that. Okay, so he would say like, hey, we all want to be successful, productive, joyful etc stuff like that and one of the ways we can do that is we can work hard we can grind we can give it all we got etc stuff like that and if we do that we're gonna see light and hope and joy etc stuff and and Corinne and I are looking at each other going he just keeps saying etc to this day we'll once in a while say etc stuff like that to each other but anyways (laughs) (laughs) the second thing I remember about that meeting is at one point he says to us and he, he looked at Corinne especially he says man what kind of car would you like to drive like, dream big what kind of car would you like to drive and corinne says uh, man like just anything and he said yeah anything like what kind of car do you like to drive she's like oh man you know it'd be sweet because we were driving an 87 turismo at this time she said man i love a jetta a jetta would be amazing He's like, no, no, I need you to dream, envision, et cetera, stuff like that. I need you to think big, large, et cetera, stuff like that, right? So he had this binder, and in this binder, there was all these laminated pictures of mansions and boats and yachts and cars. And so he started showing us cars. So, so here's the first one he showed us. He said, this is a, the, yeah, that's the Jetta. And then he showed us another one, and that's a Lamborghini. He said, that's a Lamborghini. I'm like, whoa, that's a nice car, you know? And then he showed us another one. I'm like, that looks like Magnum P.I.'s car. And so, so you know what I'm saying? Dictating? Insinuating et cetera stuff like that to you? You gotta dream. You gotta envision etc. stuff like that. Like what do you really want? Chris says, well like anything? She says, you know what would be amazing? Like a four-door Jetta. Because there's so much more room. <laughs> so in hindsight, looking back at that moment, I think that he thought that the desires of our heart would be finally fully met with a Lambo. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Like, we, we, we kind of live in this culture where we say, man, like owning a Lambo, like that'd be nice, that'd be sweet, that'd be cool, that'd be amazing, that'd be living, except it wouldn't be. You know what it would be? It would be, uh, I'm trying to look for the word. It would be a car, an automobile, a mode of transportation, etc. stuff like that. Okay, so, so, so uh, by the way, if you have a Lamborghini, I am not, that's, it's a nice car. And if you're thinking about lending it to me for a weekend to take it for a spin, I am so in. But please understand, it's a car. It's, it, 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 it's a car, right? And what's amazing is we can, we can get into this culture. Every one of us can do this. And all of a sudden, little things become so big and big things can become so little. And we need to get away sometimes just to remember to discover our true self, the true desires of our heart. I know for me, many times when I do that, I'm just brought back to this truth. What am I made for? What are the desires of my heart? To be loved and to love. To be known and to know. To be helped and to help. To understand and to be understood. That's it. God's still speaking. And when we listen to his voice, and when we follow his lead, he, 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 he wants our life to tell a great story. He wants your life to tell a great story. And it starts with this concept of humility. God, today I want to tell a great story, but I can't, you can, please do, and I will. And then it's an invitation that says, God, I'm listening for your voice and I want to follow your lead, and then it's that connection. Second way I want to talk about today that God is still speaking today is through providence. Providence. J. Vernon McGee had this to say about providence. Providence means that the hand of God is in the glove of human events. Man, I love that. Providence means that the hand of God is in the glove of human events. When God is not at the steering wheel, he is the backseat driver. He is the coach who calls the signals from the bench. Providence is the unseen rudder on the ship of state. God is the pilot at the wheel during the night watch. As someone has said, he makes great doors swing on little hinges. God brought together a little baby's cry and a woman's heart down by the river Nile when Pharaoh's daughter went to bathe. The Lord pinched little Moses and he let out a yell. The cry reached the heart of the princess and God used it to change the destiny of a people. That was providence. That was the hand of God. God's hand in the glove of human events. So I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're up against today. I don't know what challenges, etc., stuff like that you might have today, but I, I just couldn't resist. I'll stop that now, okay? No, but I actually don't, and, and, and maybe, you, maybe you've read your Bible, maybe you've prayed, maybe you've looked in your conscience, you've looked at creation, but you're still kind of wondering and you don't have clarity. Look for God's hand in the glove of human events. Look for a door that's opening. Look for an opportunity that's arising. Look for God's hand in the glove of human events. God still speaks. One of the ways he speaks is through providence. And I wanna tell you, by the way, that providence is not a one-time thing. It's not an expiring asset. Because I think there's people that, that, that feel like, man, like, if I blew it once, it's all over. God's great plan for my life is over. And I wanna tell you today that, that God's plan for you is not MapQuest, it's Google Maps. How many people here remember MapQuest? Okay, so MapQuest was back in the day of Blockbuster Video. Google it, okay, and pay phones. Google them, okay? So, so, so MapQuest was this program that you would go onto the website and you would enter in an address that you wanted to find. Like, let's say I wanted to take a basketball team to Argyle Senior Secondary in North Vancouver. I would enter that on MapQuest and I would get turn-by-turn directions. I would print them out and bring them with me, just like a dream just like a dream, right? Until, until what? I made one wrong turn. Dream over, buddy. Now you're in a nightmare. This thing, you might as well throw it out the window now. It's over. <laughs> it's gone. It's done, Etc. stuff like that. I mean, just get rid, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. But some people see God's plan that way. I made one r- wrong turn. Maybe you meant to make a wrong turn. Maybe you didn't mean to make a wrong turn. Maybe maybe something happened to you. Maybe you made something wrong happen and now you think God's plan is over. Like people will say, man, I married the wrong person 29 years ago and so God can't have a plan for me. So first of all, can I talk about that just for one second? There's more than one right person for you. Do you understand that? Like this whole concept of there's only one right person in the world for me, I don't know where it comes from and it's so weird. Like imagine that for a second. So let's say you you think I married the wrong person, okay? Well, that means that they married the wrong person. And, and, and the person that they were supposed to marry married the wrong person. So one—do li- you understand that if you extrapolate that, that your one little mistake of marrying the wrong person led to an historical and global pandemic of wrongness. <laughs> the whole thing's over because of you. Thanks. God's not MapQuest. Either is marriage. Yeah, do, do I think you should be picky? Do I think you should be selective? Do, you, do I think you should be prayerful when it comes to who you should marry? Absolutely. But this whole concept of there's only one right person for me, it's, it's not true. Because love is a choice. But, but, but this thought, like, well because of that mistake that I have, might have made, that wrong turn that I might have made, God's plan for my life to tell a great story is over, it's not true. God's more like Google Maps. So I'm on my way to Argyle Senior Secondary in North Vancouver and I make one wrong turn. What happens to Google Maps? Rerouting. God's always rerouting. God's always rerouting. God always has a plan to lead you into a great story. You say, well, then what's the hurry? (laughs) If he can always reroute me, you know, why should I listen to his voice and follow his lead? Because why would you wait? Why would you wait to tell a great story with your life? Why would you wait for abundance? Why would you wait for fulfillment? Why would you wait for purpose? Why why would you wait for legacy? Why would you wait for rest for your soul? But if you're facing a dilemma, you're facing a decision today, look for God's hand in the glove of human events. Is he opening up a door, maybe unexpectedly? So when Corinne and I moved to Abbotsford, I needed a job, badly. Okay, Corinne was had one more year of university to go into, and, and she was going to Trinity, which is pretty expensive, I had to pay for that. I had some student loans that I needed to pay off, needed to meet our, you know, our, our, our rent and our daily expenses, and uh, also had to save up for a Bachelor of Education that I needed to add to my Bachelor of Arts. In short, in summary, I really needed a job, okay? So I went around for about two days looking for a job everywhere, couldn't find one. I went to every construction place I could think of, that I could find in the yellow pages, Google it. Okay, and so um, nothing, road, road paving, crews, nothing. So after two days, I'm getting really frustrated and, and, and I know this girl a little bit from Red Deer and she says, I work at this restaurant in Abbotsford called Earl's and they need waiters. Okay, so the last thing in the world that I ever aspired to be or thought that I would ever become is a waiter. Nothing against it, but I just, it just didn't really seem to fit for me, but I needed a job and I was looking for God's hand in the glove of human events. So I took the job. I said, I just, I'll just take it till something better comes along. Well, by shift three, working at Earl's as a waiter, I realized, I don't think there is something better coming along, because I absolutely loved that job. I and mean, it's amazing, because you're there and you're waitering and you get to meet all these people every single night. And you get to see their stories play out, just a little bit of them. Sometimes it's a guy taking out a girl for the very first time. So cool. You try to, you know, make it as smooth as you can, right? Sometimes it's an older couple celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary. What a privilege. Or a family coming together after, you know, one of the kids just played soccer and they're just celebrating the win. Or 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 a group of guys watching the game. Whatever it was, I found that often uh, they were in a good mood because they were out for supper, you know? Out for something to eat. And then at the end of it, you know what they do? They give you a tip. (laughs) And to tell you the honest truth, man, did I make good tips. I, oh man, I could not believe the amount of money that you could make being a waiter. Uh, It was incredible. So I paid for current to go to school. I paid for my future B.Ed. I paid off the student loans and and, and I was looking for God's hand in the glove of human events and here's what I didn't expect. Every night I would come to work and meet dozens and dozens of people. And I would get a little glimpse of their story, and it started to hit me. Every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Night by night, table by table, story by story, every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. You know, and so sometimes I get up here, I got up here a couple weeks ago, and I think I said, man, my, our goal is to, to, to have 10,000 people at Southside Church every single weekend. I really, really believe that. Please understand why I believe that. Because I believe that every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story really, really, really matters to God. And it was that time working as a waiter at Earl's of all places that something inside of me started to think, something inside of me started to direct me, started to say, man, if I could give my life to help other people tell a great story, that's it. That's the desire of my heart. I want you to know, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's been done to you. I don't know what decisions that you've made, but here's what I know. God wants to start today, telling a great story with your life. How do we get there? We'll listen to his voice and we follow his lead. So just before I transition the service into baptism, I'm gonna just do a time of reflection, if that's okay. So if you don't mind, could you just close your eyes and bow your heads. So first of all, I just want to ask you, as I prepared for today, all week, I believed that there's people that God was gonna bring here today that he is gonna speak to you maybe for the first time. And I want to give you an opportunity to listen to his voice and follow his lead right now. So let me tell you a story about Jesus. God sent his son, Jesus, into human history. And Jesus lived and he died and he rose again. And he did that so that your sins could be forgiven, that your past could be resolved, that you could put down your baggage, put down your regrets, put down your shame once and for all. Jesus came and he died and he rose again so that you could have strength for today, hope for tomorrow, the promise of eternity. And he wants to tell a great story with your life. And for some of you, today is the day You're listening to his voice, and I wanna give you the opportunity right now to follow his lead. So if today is the day that you wanna say, Jesus, I wanna give you my life, I wanna follow you, with all eyes closed closed, and all heads bowed, can you just raise your hand right now, because I wanna pray for you right now, nice and high, if you don't mind. That's awesome. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Now I want to talk to the rest of us just for a moment. Baptism. Today. So maybe you didn't sign up. But there's this step of humility that comes with baptism. And God wants to tell a great story with your life today, tomorrow, and all the days to come. And this is how it works. You say to him, I can't. But you can. So please do. And I will. So in this moment of reflection, in this moment of silence, that's you today, whether you've signed up or not, are you going to follow his lead? He's calling you into a great great story and if you have not been baptized as a believer, baptism is your next step so I'm going to pray God, first of all for those people who raised their hand today I want to pray out loud and they're going to pray along with me in their heart Jesus, thank you that you stepped into human history for me thank you that you lived, died, rose again for me Today, Jesus, I give you my life. I hand you my shame and my regret and my, and my sin and, and my baggage. Take it. Thank you that you give me a clean slate and a fresh start. And I want to follow you one next step at a time into a great, great story. And Jesus, for all of the rest of us, I want to take a page out of Samuel's book. Speak, speak because we're listening. That we would follow you one next step at a time. That we would listen to your voice and follow your lead day by day, moment by moment. We pray this in your name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate those who just (laughs) responded? So there's some of you that should be getting baptized today that aren't signed up in summary. We got clothes, we got towels, we got everything you need. Not a single excuse is available. <laughs> okay, so, so we're gonna play a video of, 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 of a story and then the band's gonna play and people are gonna get dunked. And I'm gonna be standing right up against that green mat. And if today is the day that you feel God calling you to get baptized, you're gonna come over and you're gonna talk to me. I'm gonna ask you some really, really hard questions. And, and when you answer them, we're gonna determine how long we have to leave you under the water when we baptize. No. No, I'm just gonna ask you if you believe in Jesus. That's the criteria. And we're gonna hook you up with clothes and towels, and, and we just don't want you to wait one more moment to step into this great story. So turn your attention to the big screen.
1: Hi, my name is Tamara, and I've been going to Southside for two years now. I grew up in a pretty traditional Christian home, We went to a Lutheran church but it was never a place where I felt connected or like I was learning about a God that was any kind of loving. I remember even at a young age recognizing that the people that attended the church were one way inside the church walls and something completely different outside them. Watching people act Christian at church and then be totally different outside of church by gossiping and being unkind made me walk away from church. I remember thinking to myself, if I want to talk to God, I have my Bible and I'll go into the world that he created and talk to him there. Throughout my childhood and into my teen years, I struggled with depression and self-image, and I didn't have many friends. I spent a lot of my school-aged years feeling isolated, unworthy, and completely alone. And pretty soon, being depressed and isolating myself became part of my identity, of who I thought I was. I remember wondering what the point of even sticking around was when I didn't feel like I was worth anything and couldn't seem to do anything right. When I was 15, my last cry for help was carrying a Swiss army knife in my purse. I remember taking it out one night all alone in my room and cutting myself. In an effort to hide what I'd done, I wrapped up my wrist and told the kids at school that I ran into a holly bush. Thankfully, one of the counsellors at school knew better and intervened and set me on a path to get the help that I needed. The years that followed involved medication and counselling, but more than anything else I was trying to simply shove my issues away. At the age of 20, I got pregnant with my first child. I remember the first words out of my boyfriend's stepfather's mouth at the time were, So, when are you getting married? And his parents even went out and bought a ring. I remember my boyfriend looking at me one day and saying, well, do you wanna? And just like that, we got married. It seemed like the right thing to do, but being backed into a corner is not the greatest way to start a marriage. Over the next seven years, we had three daughters together, but our marriage was filled with infidelity, addiction, and mental manipulation from the first year on. And my husband was unwilling to get help. It got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore and I decided to call it quits. I had to show myself and my girls that there was better than the situation we were living in and the relationship I was modeling for them is not something I want them to live through and think is healthy or normal. During those difficult years, I remember feeling like something was missing in my heart. I would still pray and read my Bible occasionally, but my heart felt heavy and I felt like I couldn't hear God. There was a feeling of deep longing in me for something more, something to replace the emptiness I was feeling. Around five years ago, I moved to Chilliwack. A couple of years in, I met two amazing Southsiders, Dave and Tracy. We met through a business opportunity and we became fast friends. Then they invited me to come to the church that they called home. I drove by Southside all the time, coming up with any excuse not to walk through the doors. I would say things like, oh, the service has already started, or the service is starting in two minutes. Anything to avoid going in. Finally, after about six months of excuse making, I texted them and said, okay, I'm coming. I remember walking up to a secondary school for church, but it didn't feel like walking up to a school or a church. It felt more like walking into a friend's house. I've been coming to Southside for a couple of years now, and it's been nothing short of life changing. I don't consider myself a crier at all and I think I've cried more in church in the past couple of years than I ever have in my life. I'm getting to know a God who is much kinder now than the God I grew up with. I'm learning that I don't have to beg for his attention or be perfect or else. I'm discovering that God is my friend and he loves me no matter where I'm at and that his plans for me are always good as I try my best to follow him one step at a time. The piece of my life that I felt was missing is Jesus, the kind and gracious Saviour that I've discovered in the past couple of years of my life. I no longer feel alone. I know that God is with me. I no longer feel worthless. I know that I'm a child of God. I no longer feel empty or lost. I know that a kind and loving God sees me and has a beautiful redemption plan for my life. for anyone who's thinking about checking out Southside, or if you're new here, I would say that this is the most welcoming and inclusive place and I can't think of anywhere better to come and learn about a God that is for you. It's a great place to come and see if maybe, just maybe, the preconceived notions about God that you walked in the doors with are true. Or maybe they're not. I got baptized here at Southside at our last baptism. I'd been baptized as a baby, but I felt like it was my turn to choose, and my turn to formally declare that Jesus is the more that I've been looking for. I can't wait to continue to live my life following this loving God that I've found. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.